Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. I read an article this week that said for teenagers that for girls their brain reaches the point of inflection, they call it, and that's the halfway point of the brain's maturity when they're about 11 years old. For boys, it's delayed a little bit, more like about 30, 35. (laughs) But they get there eventually, parents. Don't worry, for those who have young ones. Uh, But I I bring that up. They they do. It it, it comes a little more slow. And and that has shocked no one in this room. I I understand that. Uh, I was one. I I get it. Um, But I bring that up because there is someone in our church who serves our church in a way that really speaks to this passage we're going to read in a minute about giving yourselves as as living sacrifices to the Lord. And his name is Rocky King. And Rocky, I call him the tween whisperer. Rocky has worked with our confirmation class now for years. Confirmation class in our church is sixth grade. So they're they're 11-ish when they're in confirmation class. And he has this way with 11-year-old boys and girls, and he, he treats them like people. He, he doesn't treat them, um, you know, like little children. And it's so important because at that age, the kids are, are coming through an incredibly difficult passage of life where they're making that move between being a kid and being a grown-up. And that point of inflection in the brain when it starts to mature and it gets over that hump of halfway toward maturity and you start needing to be someone different than you've been for the first 11 years or so. And it's hard. And Rocky has this way of relating to these girls and boys in a way that's just, it's, it's almost miraculous. And they listen to him. And he has this calming effect. I mean, there's nothing like 30 or 40 sixth graders, and particularly, you know, sixth grade boys. They, they're just ready, fire, aim uh, with life at that point. And, and he has a way of, he doesn't squash them, he doesn't try to tame them. He just redirects the energy. And they treat him respectfully, and he treats them respectfully. And he truly is the teen, the tween, I should say, whisperer. And, and we love him. And Lori Hopper works, has worked now for several years with that class. And we have lots of other wonderful volunteers and staff who work with our confirmation class. But it, it, it's really tricky duty. Now, I want to mention, to be fair, all of his qualifications, you know, uh, that Rocky brings to this task. He's, a, he's, a, he's not a clergy, he's not a paid staff member. He's like most of us, I say us, most of you in this room are just members or guests of the church. But he has a list of qualifications to do the job. And, and if you'll listen closely, I'm going to try to get through the list of qualifications. Here they are. Ready? 
That's it. That's his list of qualifications. Well, there's one. Here's his one qualification to be the tween whisperer. He loves the kids that Jesus loves. And it's as simple as that. And it is not easy. It's not even easy for Rocky, and I know that. It's not easy always to keep that calm, non-anxious presence around 11-year-olds, uh, particularly in a retreat setting or when they're out having some fun. But the impact that he has on these kids is profound. We go up and speak. The clergy will go up and other people will go up and speak and make presentations to them during our confirmation class, which happens during the Sunday school hour, uh, all during the school year. It's, it's a wonderful time. And these kids are so respectful. And I think it's because that's what they've, that's what they've been taught. They've been taught to respect. These, you know, they would, they would tell the kids, these people are coming in, they're giving their time to give to you. So give them your time. And, it, and it, it's just unbelievable. And he truly gives him his whole self to that because you can't hold back. You've got to be all in or not with these kids. And he is. And it's absolutely incredible. And I'll give you, the, I'll give you the, the greatest qualifier of how much they like him. Every year we do exit interviews with the confirmands just to ask them, what did you like? What did you not like? What could we do better? What did we do good? And, and there's always a list of things that they like. And, and the, of course, the number one on the list, donuts. Because we always have donuts. And they love the donuts. And who doesn't love? Who wouldn't just eat like a handful of donut holes right now from Dunkin' Donuts or from some other place? I mean, just like I could just cram them in at this point in the morning. But you know what number two is? And it's close. It's close. Rocky. Rocky, that's heady company right there. Rocky is right next to donuts with these kids. That's all you need to know about what he brings to that job and the job he does. And he does it because he loves the kids that Jesus loves. He's trying to be a disciple, and he just wants to serve. But if you ask him, he would say, I don't, I, I don't really serve the church. I mean, I spend time with the kids. That's the way he would see it. Because the fact is, serving should be the core impulse of everyone who follows Jesus. And when we recognize that as the core impulse, then it's not something we add on. Doing this, being a part of the confirmation class for Rocky, and I could say this about 100 people in the church, it's not something they add on to their life. It's not something they carve out time for. It's who they are. It flows out of who they are as simply human beings trying to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And it should be the core impulse of everyone who's following Jesus. So we're in the sermon series, Why Church? It's a good question. A lot of people think church is full of hypocrites. And you know, probably is. Probably got a lot of them in there. I've been one at one time or another. I try not to be. But the way I look at it is until God figures out a way to have a church with no people in it, there are going to be problems. So, so we live with the realities of being people gathered together. But the church... The church is the org only organization on the planet that is designed to lift up Jesus Christ who can transform people.
people from the inside out who is changing the world one person at a time. And he can take those changed people and he can recruit them and he can train them and deploy them through his church to go out and do that over and over again in the community and also within the walls. And the church is the only organization on the planet that does that. Now, last week, I wasn't in here, but over there, and I think that's probably Will talked about how we serve out into the community. And I want to point out that for people who struggle with finding their purpose in life, and don't we all have problems at times trying to figure out who we are and what is our purpose? As human beings, I always think it's a good idea to look at the model human being. And yes, Jesus was the Son of God, second person of the Trinity. But we must never lose sight of the fact that he lived as a human being on this planet. And he, he, yes, he came to atone for the sins of the world, and he did that. But he also came to live as a model of what it looks like to being a human being. So if we wanted to figure out what does it look like to be a, a human being, what does a human being do, I figure... Let's look at Jesus. If I want to find my purpose in life, then I should look at the model human being and figure out what was his purpose in life. And you know what his purpose in life was? He said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. And everything he did flowed out of that overarching purpose. Most ultimately, he served us on the cross, but he served people. He healed lame legs. He opened blind eyes. He cast out demons. He fed people when they were hungry. He helped a woman get water at a well who didn't realize that, that there was so much more than just the water in that well that could change her. He served constantly. And so, if we want to find our purpose for life, service has to be right there. Because it's the core impulse of all followers of Jesus Christ. And serving is how we fulfill our purpose ultimately as being human beings on the planet. Now, we've talked about serving outside, as I mentioned, serving outside the walls of the church. This week we talk about serving inside the walls. And Jesus said this. I like to go back to Jesus. It doesn't matter what I think. What does Jesus think? And Jesus, one of the last things he said to his disciples, and this was just before he went to the garden to pray when he was arrested the night before he was crucified. What did he, what did he tell his disciples? He said, love one another as I have loved you. Now, he was talking to his disciples, and I don't ever want us to narrow that down to, to, to 12 people named Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Bob, Harry, Sally, Bill, and all those others that I can never remember. I mean, he's talking, that was the inner core, his inner circle, if you will, maybe his, his core leadership group, but there were lots of people seeking to be disciples. And he said that to them, and he says it to us, love each other. He's looking at you and me. Love each other as I have loved you. Well, how did he love them? Good question, right? Let me read some scripture. This is from John chapter 13. This is also in that time period where he had had dinner with his disciples. Uh, he's about to go out to the garden to pray. He'll be arrested. And the next day he'll be brutally killed on a cross. So these are important. <laughs> this is an important time. And he has important things to say and do for them. So he had dinner with them. And there are different versions in the Gospels of that Last Supper. In John's, he focuses on not so much the supper, but what Jesus did before it. And he washed their feet. 
And for those who have never heard this speech, uh, I'll give you the elevator version of it. Um, Household slaves had, there was a hierarchy of household slaves. And when we think of slaves in those days, we don't think about the horrific chattel slavery uh, that was the reality for so many African Americans. I mean, that that was, that's horror that you, you can hardly wrap your head around. But there were slaves in the first century in Palestine, but a lot of times they simply worked for somebody. Now, they owned them, but they worked for them. So these slaves had different jobs. And the lowest slave in the house, the one who was at the bottom of the totem pole, to mix my metaphors, the lowest slave in the house had the job of washing feet because it was customary. At our house, or your house, and people come over, the first thing, you take their coat, you want something to drink, you know. Uh, over there, it was, let me wash your feet. In that setting, let me wash your feet. And imagine how nasty people's feet were in a time when there was no pavement, there were no sidewalks, there was dirt, and when it rained, there was mud, and they wore sandals at best. So the slave washed their feet, and Jesus did. He washed their feet. Peter, one of the, one of the, um, <laughs> one of the more exuberant of the disciples and difficult to deal with, he was, he was an 11-year-old hiding in a, in, a man, in a man's body at times. Uh, he said, no, 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 you can't wash my feet. And Jesus said, I have to wash your feet because you won't get what you're supposed to do. So Jesus said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you as an example so that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, and this is big, you will be blessed if you do them. Hang on to that. You will be blessed if you do them. Do what? Do these things. Serve each other. Just give yourself to When you're talking about washing people's feet, you're talking about saying, okay, I'm giving myself up for you. Um, washing feet, that, that action of Jesus washing feet was a pre-echo of the cross, which was Jesus ultimately giving himself up for people. Washing feet was a pre-echo of that. That was saying, I'm willing to just give up myself for you in this moment. So that's what he's calling us to do when we think about living into our purpose as serving. So as we talk about that for just a minute this morning, I have a passage of Scripture. I want to read one verse. This is from Romans. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was, <laughs> the Apostle Paul was a Jew. He was a Pharisee, meaning he was a high-ranking Jew who was trying to keep the law perfectly. He was persecuting Christians, rounding them up, taking them away. I mean, he was the anti-Christ follower at first. And then he had a one-on-one -on -one encounter with Jesus. It changed him forever. And so after that happened, then he started churches and he started churches in Corinth and Galatia and Colossae and all these different little places, basically in the area we would call Turkey today, right around in there. But Romans, this one book he wrote is not really about one specific church as much as it is about all people trying to follow Jesus. He kind of lays out a bunch of theology and then he puts skin on it and says, this is what it means. And so we're going to read verse 1 from chapter 12 of Romans. The first 11 books of Romans is that theology. He is, in a nutshell, what he's saying is, 
He, he talks about Jewish people, then he moves to Gentiles. But he said, you, were try- you kept trying to save yourself. You kept trying to save yourself through good works. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Never could do it. So, one came who could do that for you. One came who could, could forgive your sins. One came who offered you mercy, where the law made it difficult for you to ever find any peace or mercy. One came to bring you mercy, to bring you peace, to bring you grace, to atone for your sins, to absolutely give you a complete thorough do-over in life where everything you did before is forgotten and you get to start fresh. That was Jesus. That's what he did. That's the first essentially 11 verses of Romans. And then we get to the first word of Romans 12, verse 1, and it's, it's huge. The word is therefore. Therefore. It's like, a, it's like a hinge that a gate would swing on. And all of his theology and all of his connections with Israel and the Jewish people and all that, all of that now swings on the word therefore. And he's saying, knowing that Jesus has been so merciful to you and has dug you out of the hole that you dug for yourself and did it gladly, even dying on a cross for you, because of all that, therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And if there is a more dense sentence in the Bible, I don't know where it is, because you could spend a whole sermon series unpacking that one verse. We'll try to do it in a couple of minutes. But what Jesus is is. Of what Paul is saying is, because of Jesus' mercy to you, then you should reflect that in your life. All of this has been theology up through these first 11 chapters. Now we're going to put skin on it and see what it looks like in the real world. And that thing about a living sacrifice, see, that's, that's going back to the Old Testament and the sacrificial system in the temple. You know, in the temple, they used to sacrifice bulls and, and uh, lambs and turtle doves and all sorts of things on the altars, not because God wanted to have a barbecue and not because God needed that. It was because, it was because people needed skin in the game. It was, but he wanted people to understand that forgiveness is a big deal. And it's not just the fact that you can come to the temple and go, Oh, forgive me, God. Sure, no problem. No, he wants you to to have some skin in the game and spend some money and bring a cow and bring a bull or bring a lamb or bring whatever you could afford and bring it and have that sacrifice to God so you can see just what a big deal that forgiveness is. But now he's saying we don't do that with dead bodies anymore. We don't bring the dead bodies of animals and burn them on the altar. No, no, now it's a living body. Now it's your living body, but it's the same idea. For a lot of people, when they brought their sacrifice to the temple, it was all they had. And, and that's what Paul's saying. You bring everything you have. That's what he means when he says, bring a living sacrifice. Bring your bodies as a living sacrifice. Because the implication is Jesus did. <laughs> Jesus gave his body on a cross. Now we don't have to do that. But we can still give everything we have to him and honor him and find that blessing. Remember I said, remember Jesus said you'll be blessed if you serve? 
incredible blessing in the act of giving yourself up to God, putting yourself in his hands, and letting you, letting you become a blessing to others becomes a great blessing to you as well. So remember that therefore, it's huge. Therefore, in other words, in light of everything that Jesus did for us, therefore, remember to serve because that's what you're there for. Therefore, because God showed up for us, we show up for him. That's what we're there for. So keep those two therefores together. Therefore, because Jesus did all that for us, we do the same for others because that's what we're there for. That's our purpose. In, in our relationships, in every situation that we run into, Ultimately, that's what we're there for. And we find a way to serve. Now, let's talk about bodies for just a second, because that's important. Jesus gave his body up for you and me. He gave it all up. And this is important to remember, just to dabble in theology just a little bit more. Yes, Jesus was God. Jesus was the living God. He was the second person of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Son, Jesus, Son comes to earth, puts on skin and bones, born of a Virgin Mary. He lived in a human body just like ours, and he lived as a human like we do. Now, he did amazing things. He healed people. He said some amazing things. Lived with incredible boldness and selflessness on the part of others. But he wasn't pulling rabbits out of his hat. Like God, you know, okay, I'm God, I can do that. Boom, I'm just going to be God for a minute and do this stuff and freak people out. No, it was the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus was baptized, when his earthly ministry started, he was baptized in the Jordan River and it said the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. That was the Holy Spirit in his body, his human body. The Holy Spirit animated, if you will, his human body. So that he could do these, all these amazing things. And guess what? The same Holy Spirit, same power, animates your body and mine through faith in Christ. That's what this Bud's body is so important here. The Holy, God chose to work through the world, through people. That's what the church is all about. We're gathered together, gathered together to serve. And he equips us, he empowers us, he propels us into service by the same spirit that healed blind eyes, lame legs, that ultimately rose from the dead, that caused Jesus to rise from the dead. It's the same spirit. And so... He wants us to claim that. And this is, this is key in our service to each other. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is Paul again. He was writing to the church at Corinth. That's why it's called 1 Corinthians. If he were, if he were writing to us, it would be called 1 Concordians probably. 1 Corinthians. And they were arguing about who was the most spiritual and who was most important in the church. And the rich people were eating all the food and drinking all the wine when they would have communion. And the poor people who had to work for a living would show up and was nothing left. And Paul was just, I was like herding cats with the first church in Corinth. 
So, so he's trying to get them to understand that everybody has this power. And so he says this to them in 1 Corinthians 12. Now to each one, he's talking to the people who are members of the church, ones who have said Jesus is Lord, who are, who are saved, to use that term, who have professed faith in Christ, been baptized. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And those are the two most important words, that two, two important phrases. Each one, common good. Everybody, you, me, everyone who professes faith in Jesus Christ has a gift, has this ability from God, something that we could not do short of God's power operating through us. And that sounds all, you know, but it's really not if you break it down. It's the way people are able, it's, still, it's rocky. The Holy Spirit works through rocky. Rocky has this gift of teaching and this, and I believe it's a combination of a gift of teaching and a gift of compassion. And he just feels for the, compassion for these kids, and he has a way of teaching them. It's God working through him, and he would be the first to say that. So, so we all have those. We all have a gift to each one for the common good. And in this case, Paul is speaking about the church specifically. This is so the church can be the church together. We all have a gift. And here's the deal. If you don't use your gift, if you're not serving, if you're letting it sit there, there's no blessing for anyone. When I was in seminary, I had a Christian education class. It's, they don't call it that anymore. Dr. Adrienne Carr, she was the first female to ever teach at Emory University, and it was at Candler School of Theology in Atlanta. Brilliant woman. And, she, and I got to be in the last class she ever taught. I don't know if it's because I was in there or not, but she never, she never taught again after that. So anyway, so, so she would do all these creative things. Some of you may have heard this story, but it's really key. I think it's important right now to retell it. She, she would, every class meeting, met once a week for a semester, every class meeting, the chairs were in a different place, and she did all this really creative stuff. So one day we come in, and all the chairs are in a circle. And there's a package, a brightly wrapped package in the middle of the circle. And so she welcomed everyone and said, here's what we're going to do today. And by the way, that gift is for somebody. And then she just went on. Well, about halfway through the class, of course, you know, we're all going, I'm not taking it. I'm not going to be that guy, that girl. You know, I'm not doing it. And about halfway through the class, she said, by the way, the, remember, we've got a gift here for somebody. You need to take it. Nobody took it. So class was over. And she said, I'm so disappointed. I really spent a lot of time wrapping that gift, and I just wanted someone to have it. And finally, my friend Herb Franklin, he said, I'll take it. So Herb got the gift, and he opened it. And when he did, what was inside were 35 individually wrapped Snickers bars. She didn't have to say a word to make her point. If you don't open the gift, nobody gets blessed. And think about what that means to God. Think of what he went through for you to have that gift. Imagine you give somebody a, you, 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 you think and think and go, I've, I've got a friend, I've got the perfect gift for them. You give them this Christmas gift. And then you go back over to their house for New Year's Eve and you realize the gift is in the garage next to the trash can, never opened it. 
How would it make you feel? It was perfect. I, I spent so much time developing this perfect, giving you this perfect gift, and you didn't even open it. Well, that's, I'm, I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on anybody. I'm just, I'm just here to let you suffer the way I suffer when I withhold my gift from God. <laughs> he went to a lot of trouble to equip us to be able to help each other. Right now we're talking about helping within the walls of the church. Everybody has a gift. And we can talk about what they, we don't have time to do that today about all the specific gifts. But there's gift administration, there's gift of preaching, there's gift of prophecy, being able to see in the future. None of this is, is Twilight Zone stuff. This vision meeting we're going to have in a little bit, this vision we have for a new building for our church, that's because some people spoke prophetically in the church and said, we need, we need better facilities for our children and for our kids program. It's not, nobody had a crystal ball. It's just, it's the way it works. If you don't open your gift, if you're not serving, and I'm going to say it, I'm just going to say it. If you're not serving, you're leaving God's gift unwrapped, uh, completely wrapped and unopened. And you're missing a blessing for others, and you're missing a blessing for yourself. Christ sacrificed his body to give us life. What will we sacrifice for the body of Christ? I can't decide for you, but I can encourage you because you need to serve and we need you to serve. Jesus needs you to serve. And you don't have to be able to do anything amazing. And I know some people were probably say, well, you know, I'm not as mobile as I used to be. Or I've got, I've got small children and I can't do this and I can't do that. I, I, I'm with you. I was part of that sandwich generation for a long time. With older parents on one side and kids on the other. And you're just like, I don't have time to do anything. But yes, you do. It's, it comes out of, it just comes out of who you are. In Galatians chapter 6, it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, there's that word again, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. A mom my mom served our family, and you're, you may have moms, dads, others. I just remember my, my mom served. My mom was not, they weren't able to have children for a long time. They, they actually were, and she did give birth to my, brother, my older brother, Neil, two years older than I and, and, um, and, and me. And she, and she said, she just said straight up, uh, told her friends, that they're, they're gods. I can't believe he's given me these children, and she served us. And she got older, and she, she fell. She kept falling, and at 95, she had slipped into a dementia, more from the trauma of falling and hurting herself. And she was in a, basically a geriatric chair at a nursing home until she died. But there was this friend of hers. Her name was Joan, and she recently died. Oh, my gosh. They, Joan would come and see her. She was five or six years younger than Mom. And she would bring... She would bring this china teapot, and she would bring a thermos full of water and tea, and she would bring these fancy little cookies. And I was over there one day when Joan came, and my mom, she started serving. My mom was, 
with it, not always with it. Now, Larry, you go out there in the pantry and you get the very best dishes and you get those really nice napkins that have the fringe around the side of them and you come and you do this. And she was ordering me around. I'm, yes, ma'am. And, and you know, I didn't know where. We were in her little room, but I just kind of shuffled around because I was going to, but she was serving. She was, she couldn't, she barely knew where she was and she was stuck in that geriatric chair, but her heart was, we have someone in our house and we need to serve them. And they sat there and drank tea and ate cookies while I cried, essentially. It was so beautiful. It was such a, a kingdom thing. So it doesn't matter what you do. Follow that impulse from God to serve. And just figure out, what can I do? There's something you can do. Go to the website. Go on the missions page. Or just go on the website and look at all these opportunities. They're under, uh, under missions. There, I mean, there are lots of things you can do inside the walls of the church. We need you. Maybe not to teach, but to be a shepherd for kids. You can lend uh, volunteers. And I've seen, I know, see people in the room now that volunteer at CADES to help those persons dealing with dementia. What a blessing they tell me it is. That's the way it works. I know we're over, but I can't tell you how important this is. I love you, and I don't want you to miss out. I don't want the church to miss out on what you can do. It's the core impulse of everyone who follows. Therefore, Jesus did all that for us. So we should do something for him because that's what we're there for. Let us pray. Almighty God, wow. Why, you could have just had this all, you could have done all this without us, but you didn't. And you bless us by giving us opportunities to serve you. So Lord, help us to be creative as we look around and look for opportunities to serve. No matter where we are and what our situation is, help us to follow that impulse to serve. And we'll let you lead the way and we'll let you give us the power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.